appreciate that. I uh, definitely need some extra grace this morning. I have what's known as a man cold. And so if you guys don't know what that is, um, my wife and my, my little boys had um, this cold over the last about week, week and a half, and they took it like champs. I mean, we have a you know, six-month-old and a two-year-old who have been, who have been I mean, they've, they've been sick, right? But they're still playing and kicking it and running around and doing all this other stuff and screaming, and it's good. Like, you know, it's awesome. And my wife, you could just see it in her face, yet she continued to clean. She continued to lead the house, and she continued to do everything like that. And about last night, I sat there on the couch at about 6, a, 6 p.m., and it suddenly hit me, and suddenly... I thought I was dying. I'm, I'm pretty sure I was like, this is it. I'm not going to get to preach. I'm, 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 I'm going to go to be with Jesus. Um, this is it. And that's about how I feel this morning, too. I, it took me a, a while, and I know Gloria was trying to lift up some of these songs, and she just some verses stood out to her, and um, I could hear her behind me. I was like, this is awesome. It's, it was so hard not to sing with Kendra as she was leading. I was mouthing it. But I couldn't sing because I was like, I got to save my voice because, I, I, you know, operating in your gifts, I, I'm operating my gift in preaching, and so I just need some extra grace from you guys. So if I randomly stop and cough, I'm not just trying to be gross. <laughs> I'm not just, and, and, you know, if I randomly fall asleep too, I just need a little extra grace. Um, but no, it's this, I'm extremely excited to be able to continue with Galatians as, as we've been going through. We're almost finished with Galatians, and I'm covering such a small section this, this morning. Um, and, and honestly, if I were to title this sermon, it would be, Why Do Anything Good? Um, and it's that question, like, why, why do anything good? And we're just going to kind of expand on that idea here. Um, and if you do have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 through 15. Um, and I'm actually just going to go ahead and pray right now um, for the Spirit to be with me <laughs> and the Spirit to be with us. Uh, so, Father, would you, would you grace us with your presence as I have already felt your Spirit here this morning? Um, God, I, um, I am myself and my family are truly blessed to be a part of, of this body whom you have called to be a minister to Bethany and in the surrounding areas, Lord. And I am, um, although our, our time here is, is just but a short time, um, Lord, we will continue the work as a uni- unified uh, Catholic body of believers, I meaning universal. We'll work together and continue to expand your kingdom. And what a beautiful thing that is. Um, Lord, be with us now as we open up your word and as we expand on the truths in your word. Um, God, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, uh, one of the things that I like to do, I'm not necessarily unique in this, um, every time a pastor will get up and a, a true biblical preacher will get up, he will understand, he will go through, and as he's preparing the sermon, he will go through and understand the, um, uh, some key elements of the text before he presents the text. And, and, and I like to present that to you all, because as I look around the room and I get to know you guys, I know that there are some that are newer believers than others. I know there, there are some that have, when I say we're in Galatians chapter 5, you already have it in your mind the the three key words you already have the systematic understanding in your mind big words the the historical understanding in your mind and the literary understanding and some of some of us right now as we hear that we're going what 
<laughs> and I understand that. We all have to start from one area and, and move forward. And so I think it's very key that before I get in here, we have those, and I'll make it very brief, but we need to know where we are in the text. And basically, it's a systematic understanding, which is the story of God. Where in the story of God, from creation to redemption, where in the story of God are we? And so understanding where we are in Galatians and in this letter, it's in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And at the apex of all creation, he created man and woman, imago Dei, which is the image bearers. He created them, and we lived with the triune God. And it was perfect unity, and it was beautiful. And then man, being autonomous, we decided to trust in ourselves instead of trust in the Father. And we decided to create this this mess that we currently still even live into today and we separation from god and man began to happened at that moment we fully deserve death but god being a loving god sent us out with a curse but with a promise he promised that redemption will come and so as he promised redemption will come all through the the massive chunk of the bible which is the old testament we see as man God began to choose man, and he chose a group of people that he called Israel, and he chose them and draw, drew them to himself and gave them a law so that they could, um, they could be uh, his people, his children, and he could create in them redemption that eventually came. And then when, when we move, transition into the New Testament, we have Christ, who was a son of God, who came of a virgin birth, and Christ lived a perfect life, being fully God, fully man, Christ lived a perfect life, and redemption has now come through this Israel, God's chosen people. And this is where we start getting into it, where Christ went to the cross, and God's wrath that we deserved was poured fully out on Christ. Israel past, Israel present, and Israel future. All of God's wrath was poured on him, Christ, for God's chosen people. That's us. Redemption now comes while Christ was raised from the grave and Christ ascends and sends his spirit where his spirit now can indwell us. And that's where we are right here. When his spirit indwells us, disciples are being made and his church is now living in action. And that's what's happening here. This early church is now living in action. And this historical understanding that Paul wrote this in around 57 AD, around his third missionary journey. Paul had been journeying, this this basic same journey. And in his first missionary journey, he planted a bunch of churches in Galatia. And that's where we are. He planted a bunch of churches in Galatia where he, um, he, he ministered to them, then he left and he continued, and they continued the ministry. This is a predominantly Gentile people. Okay, what that means is you have Israel and then you have everyone else. Which, is, which were Gentiles at that moment. And they were Gentile converts who were adopted. They weren't blood, right? They were adopted into the kingdom. And what a beautiful thing that is, is now you have this church that is thriving and going. And the reason why, this is the literary understanding, the reason why Paul wrote this letter was because of false doctrine that had snuck its way into the church. You had these Judaizers, you had these people that came in and said, basically, um, I know Paul taught that it was by faith alone that you Gentiles could be adopted into Israel, God's chosen people. But we, as Judaizers, we tell you that first, you must have a physical initiation. You must be circumcised. You're welcome for the illustration here. You must be circumcised. And then you must go through, you must go through the, the, the rites and, 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 and everything like that first before you can enter into the kingdom. And Paul's like, no, I know you guys are Gentiles. I know that you didn't grow up in the faith in a sense. I know you didn't grow up in Israel and you're just now learning. And so when these 
big wigs come in here and they tell you this false doctrine. It sounds very believable. It's very palatable to you. Well, that's not the case. It's by faith alone that you have been saved and you've been adopted into it. Nothing but that you've done has earned your position in this. And so that's kind of an understanding. Now you guys have this picture in your mind. Now when we read the text, it should, it should make a little bit more sense here. We're going to be in chapter 5, verse 13 through 15, and I'm just going to ask the Spirit to come. Spirit, as we read your word, would you take these three verses and expand the, the meat that's behind just these three verses alone? God, be with us. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's, let's, let's go through these three verses. It'll be real quick here. Verse 13, um, on, it, on through 15, it says, Paul continues his thought from, uh, that Nick preached on last week. He says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 15. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Father, thank you for the reading of your word. Uh, Lord, would you, as the truths come out in this, um, Lord, would you, would your spirit bring these words to life? We need that, Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. I, um, as I was reading this and I was preparing for this, um, I, I thought of something. I'm in a season right now to where we're raising children, a lot of them, and it's a beautiful thing. Um, and you know, honestly, even as the father, the, I believe the father is in control of the womb. I was talking to a guy the other day, and he was talking about how his wife um, got pregnant, and they were even on, like, on birth control and everything like that. I'm like, no matter how, what we do, the father is in control of the womb. And, and I was just like thinking about that. And so, you know, we're, we're being obedient, we're being fruitful and multiplying, and we're having children, and it's awesome. Um, and then, and honestly, when the father decides that it's no, you know, the womb is closed, then we're going to continue to go with orphans and adopting and stuff like that. So we'll always be in this season. But I think of this, and I read this passage, and I think of the idea of like raising children. Um, so here's the thing: like whether you're adopted into a family or you're of physical blood, um, every child and adult, but let's focus on children for a second. Every child goes through seasons of immoral behavior. Like I said, and adults do, but let's focus on the kids for a second because it's easier. Every child goes through immoral behavior. <laughs> she, she's, she's like, wait a second. But every child goes through its seasons of immoral behavior. And as, as the leaders of the home, mom and dad, right, as the leaders of the home or the teachers of the home, as I like to call it, the primary disciplers of the little disciples, as them, we correct them right? Uh, we give them rules and we give them laws to instruct them of uh, how things will go around here, right? Uh, that's not how we do things. You're going through a, a season of immoral behaviors and stuff like that, or you could also call it rebellion or whatever. Um, it, it, that's not how it goes, it goes around here. Here's the laws and rules of the, the household or of the land. And if done right, um, the, the natural result that comes from that um, is obedience, Great. Okay, we, we all kind of get this. But then let's look at the child's heart for a second. Let's look at the child's heart. And whenever discipline ensues, and in correction, I almost died just now because of this rug. It's great. <laughs> but when, when correction ensues and obedience takes place, obedience is going to happen in one or two fashions in the heart. Now, obedience is going to happen with a hardened heart, 
where we say, hey, um, you're doing bad, you need to do this, and here's the rules in the, of the land, and we get the cross arms or the eye rolls or the whatevers, right? We get those. Um, would you say that that is out of a pure and soft and loving heart? No. The child's being obedient because he, he or she wants to be, uh, right, they, they don't want to keep getting in trouble, right? But that's a hardened heart, now, what happens as a parent whenever um, we, we, we do these things, and next thing you know, the Spirit comes, and the child is drawn into repentance, it's drawn into repentance, and then suddenly starts obeying without having to be told, obeying without having to be reminded, doing things and going above and beyond without having to do these things, and you no longer are getting the eye rolls, you no longer are getting this, you no longer are getting that. Man, as a parent, one of the blessed moments in life, like Caleb does this, uh, he, he'll, he'll be, obviously, I'm, I'm not just calling him out here, he'd, he'd be fine with this, but he, he's, I can't rag on the other two because they're, they're babies, but they'll go through this, where, where he does something, I correct him, and you get the eye roll, right? You get the eye roll. But then whenever the Spirit truly gets a hold of him and he starts doing things, it almost brings you to tears. It's a beautiful thing. And that is, that is a genuine love that can only, I may be getting a little ahead of myself, but that's a genuine love that only comes from the Spirit. If there's one thing I want you guys to focus on as we exegete the text, which is if we pull the truths out of this text, if there's one thing I want you to focus on is when we are operating out of the Spirit, doing good is less exhausting. So when we are operating out of freedom, loving is less exhausting. Let me get into that, and it'll make a little bit more, more sense. So when I, when I look at this, and I, and I just kind of ex- pull a few truths from the text here, in verse 13 we read, For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. And so when I look at some truths, it says called to freedom. What does that mean, and why, is that, why does that apply to us? Remember at the beginning when I was talking about understanding this, this systematic and historical and literary context. When you read this, and it says, when you were called into freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another, this right here is a reference to the law which promotes slavery. Okay, the Bible, split down the middle, um, heavier on the one side, which is old covenant, okay? And we have new covenant. New covenant is freedom. Old covenant is slavery. Was there a need for slavery? Yes, absolutely there's a need for slavery. Children do not come out of the womb being obedient, saying yes. Well, some of the first words you hear is no. Some of the first signs you see is, like Gabriel does this thing where he walks up. When he wants something, he slaps us and hits us and like punches us and all this other stuff. And it's like, hey, if you just, you know, if you say please, that might, I mean, might, that might work. But he's just like, no, it's funner to slap you. And so, <laughs> anyways, it's, the struggle's real. But we, I, I think about this, and the law was necessary. The law was very necessary. But when we think about something, the law was, was necessary, but we have been set free from the law, and we've been called into freedom, and we've been called to act out of that freedom. Again, not trying to get too far out of myself here, but we've been called to act out of that freedom. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump forward. I may reference back to verse 13, but in verse 14, we read this. We read, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word which is kind of confusing because it says in one word and then it has this little like, you know, six-word sentence here. But it says, you shall love your neighbor 
as yourself. The whole law is fulfilled by that one phrase or that one word. The word, by the way, is, is, is love. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Okay. Old Testament constantly refers, whenever Christ is giving the law, he's telling Israel how to act towards one another and towards him and how to show that stuff. And it all circles around that one thing that God is, which is love. God is love. God, the God of the Bible is the God of love, okay? And, and when we look at this and it says to love your neighbor as yourself, the old covenant was drawing us to that, but the children of old covenant time, they were as the child that had the eye rolls. They were as the children who had the arms crossed, they were as the children that were doing this because they were selected by Yahweh and they were chosen and drawn to him. And, and, and there was maybe some genuineness behind it, but they were the children that were doing that out of a hardened heart because the Spirit could not and did not indwell the, 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 the beings at that time. And that's a crazy thought when you compare the two because as we jump forward, this is a reference to how the law was to be an outward expression of dis disciplines to promote God's people as different and like him. God's people were selected to be different. Matthew Henry has something to say on this. And it, it may sound as though I'm being redundant and saying the same thing over and over, but Matthew Henry says this, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, yet has not freed us from the obligation of it. Think about this. Christ did not come to, to abolish the law. You guys know this. Christ didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean? For freedom we have been set free. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Meaning, the law should no longer be something that you have to do but it should be something that you desire to do. In other words, if you can love someone because you have to love them, are you truly loving them? If you are loving someone, think about just, just in this room, okay? If you in here are loving someone because you have to, is that real love? Is that genuine love? Or is that love from a hardened heart? Now, the second half of that is, what about if you wanted to? If you love someone because you genuinely want to, is that now slavery or is that freedom? Is that a desire to fulfill the old covenant law through love? Yes, it is. And I may be getting a little ahead of myself here, and I constantly do this because this all runs together. Let's, let's jump to verse 15. It says, that, But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. And what does it mean to be consumed by one another? It's a reference to unforgiveness or disunity in the body in its dis uh, uh, destruction that comes from it. Matthew Henry actually has something else to say on this. And I keep referencing back to my Matthew Henry because he's just kind of a, he's a general commentator. He's an old school general commentator. Um, and I was using his, his comment, uh, commentary just a little bit while I was preparing this. And he's got some stuff to say on this. And I quote, I'm going to quote him again in just a second. But this, when I start looking at this, I'm, it's almost as if verse 15 is kind of thrown in there. It's almost as if it kind of stands by itself. And I'm like, okay, why is verse 15 standing out so much? And it's because if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you might be consumed or you'll be consumed by one another. Let me ask you this question. Can you tell when somebody's being fake to you? When somebody's being fake, sometimes, most of the time, we can tell when somebody's being fake. 
when we, when we come into church, and, I, and this may hit home, um, it does for me because uh, I've been guilty of doing this, is putting on the church face, right? right you, you come to church and you walk in, this is, oh, this is, and you walk in, hello, hello everyone, oh no, life is good, it's awesome, and then you, and then, and then you leave. Um, why, why, did, why did you come to church, right? Um, and, then, and then also, um, it's not necessarily why did you come to church, but, but, but what's the point? Because at that point, you are now just being, you're not necessarily being obedient out of your freedom, but you're being obedient out of slavery. You are putting yourself back into slavery by being fake and, and trying to do good out of a hardened heart. And so you're putting yourself back into slavery when Christ died on the cross to set us free from that. And how much easier is it, kind of back to the main point, when we are operating out of the Spirit doing good um, is, is very much less exhausting. When we're operating out of our freedom, loving is well, freeing. It's the best way to say this. Matthew Henry said this. He says, Christian churches, by the way, that's us, Christian churches can only be ruined by their own hands. I'll reference back to that in a second. If Christians be as brute beasts by biting and devouring each other, what can be expected but that the God of love should deny his grace to them and the spirit of love should depart from them and the evil spirit should prevail? So, Christian churches can only be ruined by their own hands. Christian churches are only planted and started by the work of the Spirit. They are sustained by the work of the Spirit. They continue by the work of the Spirit, and they end when the Spirit is removed. They end when darkness prevails, when we gather together with darkened hearts, when we gather together with hardened hearts, and we are now operating back out of slavery, and we are no longer operating in freedom, and we are no longer loving our neighbors and each other out of the gratefulness for what Christ has done, out of the God of love that resides in our heart, but we are acting out of a fake love. And so, Paul says this, for freedom, verse 1 in chapter 5, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. And then in verse 13, for you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Oftentimes, and, and, and I was going to go there when I was doing this, I was going to go there. Oftentimes, this, this, this passage is preached and presented, and we look at it, and we're just like, okay, um, if you're operating in the Spirit, I'm not going to get into sermons that are yet to come because they're coming because we're about to go into the fruits of the Spirit and the fruits of the flesh, and we, are, we're, we're, we can probably quote the fruits of the Spirit, which will be absolutely beautiful when we get to that point. But I think of this, and it says, and Paul closes this section right here with, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. When we love from the flesh, that's a have to. And eventually, the fruits from those hardened fleshly actions reveal themselves. When we love from the Spirit, that's a want to, the fruits from those surrendered actions abound. This idea right here is that when we come in and we love one another, which by the way, I'm going to pause there for a second. I'm going to get back to that. I'm going to say, I'm not looking at everyone right here and saying, you guys are all a bunch of fakes and you, you guys are, everybody's got a fake face on. And no, I love this body and you guys are, you guys know how to love. And that is because the spirit is here and it is beautiful. 
There are sometimes that I, I, I come in, and like I was saying at the beginning, there's sometimes when I come in, and, and I do, I come in with a lot of burdens and a lot of weight. <laughs> like right now, I'm not feeling very well. <laughs> and I come in, I still feel rejuvenated. I still feel the love. People still hug me, which by the way, I'm not contagious, so we're good. But people still love me. People still show their love to me. They greet me with a smile, and it's real, right? But I just, in a, in a sense, just kind of challenge us to think about this idea that when we put a fake face on, what are we thinking that's going to come from that? Why are you doing what you're doing? Are you being real? Because when you love out of the flesh, eventually the fruits of the flesh are going to abound. And that would be eventually us biting and devouring each other, whether that's behind each other's back or whatever. But w- imagine this. What if we love out of the Spirit? In a moment, I'm actually going to go to a time of prayer, and I want us to just kind of self-reflect in our hearts. Because even I, even I have to do this, because I told you that I've been guilty in the past of, of putting on a face for church, right? And may I never be guilty of that again, but... I've done it. I've done it. What happens when we're actually operating in freedom? When we are operating out of the Spirit, doing good is less exhausting. It's real. It's healing. Those things that are drawing us to operate in a hardened heart and being fake, those things that are, are causing us to do that, we can let them go and surrender to the Father. What a beautiful thing that is. Let's, um, let's pray. Let's pray real quick. Um, and I just want you to guys to just kind of close your eyes and think. I just want you to close your eyes and think. I, I, I just, I want us to think about our hearts. Why we gather. What is the point? And then even, even then, do we love our neighbors? As I was talking about earlier. Or earlier, when, when Nick was talking about and as we gathered early at, at 9.39 or 9.40 and we, we got together and we talked about sharing our stories and getting to know other people's stories, are we doing that out of slavery because God's got his thumb on us and he's telling us we have to do that or do we genuinely love our neighbor? There are only two reasons why we operate from the flesh. Either we operate um, Either, either we have not been adopted into the family or there is sin in need of repenting from. Our hearts are hardened because of two things. And again, I have my eyes closed because I want us to just reflect. I don't want you to be looking up here at me. I want you to focus on your heart as I just speak, as the Spirit worked in my heart over this text. There are two reasons. Either you don't know the Father, and that's why your heart is hardened, and that's why you constantly feel like you, you are operating under slavery Either you don't know the Father or you have sin that needs to be let go. Confession needs to happen. Repentance needs to happen so you can be free again and operate in true freedom. And if you do believe you are walking in freedom and love out of a surrendered heart, let's ask the Father, are we intentionally loving our neighbors? I think, I think about this and I think about all this and, and, and search your heart. Are you avoiding your neighbors or are you loving your neighbors? And if you are loving your neighbors, go back to the first thing. Are you doing it out of a want to or are you doing it out of a have to? Do you believe God is guilting you into do this? Do you believe God is pressuring you into doing this? Or are you so grateful for the God of the universe that loved us so much that he sent his son 
to die in our place so he could pour his wrath on him instead of us so that we could be adopted into the family and we could live out of his grace that's been poured upon us. When we operate in true freedom, the flesh does not abound and the fruits of the spirit bring life to the body. In our hearts, do we think that we try to do the fruits of the Spirit out of our flesh. We try to love, we try to show gentleness, we try to show patience, and so on, out of our flesh. We only do that for two reasons. We don't know the Father, or we have sin that needs repentance. Father, we love you. God, if, we, if any of us in here right now need to just confess, let us confess to our brothers and sisters that are in here, let our brothers and sisters surround us after we open our mouths and confess that sin. Let us pray and get that off of us so we can operate in freedom. It's much less exhausting. Father, would you be with us and let us understand that true freedom when we walk in the spirit instead of the flesh. God, we need you and God, we love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. We finished a little early and um, I just, uh, I didn't want to go too much into, into, into all this. I just, um, I wanted us to really focus. I think we're going to go into a time of some, maybe some announcements or something like that, but uh, I also wanted to give some time to maybe if Nick has something to add to this or talk about. Um, and if you guys need prayer, as, as he's going to say in a second, if you guys need prayer over this, um, we would love to talk and pray. Uh, we love you guys. Thank you, Michael. Man. Good word, brother. And the theme, I feel like you, he really hammered home the theme <clears throat> over the past few weeks of the whole idea of faith working through love. It just sums up everything that we're called to be about. And love is at the heart of the Christian life. And if you remember, Jesus summed up the entire law and the prophets with two things. Love God, love your neighbor. It's love. Love is how faith is worked out. So uh, absolutely everything that Michael just said, we want to pray for you. We want to, we want to interact this morning. And, and not just the elders, but church. We are, every one of us is a priest, according to Scripture. Every one of us has the ability to intercede with the Father for, on behalf of a brother or a sister. So we want to encourage the church to be doing ministry together this morning um, and just helping one another.